0: Welcome, friends, to the Ink to Film podcast, where we read the book and then see the movie. I'm writer Luke Elliott. And I'm
1: filmmaker James Bailey.
0: And we are off this week for Thanksgiving. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving to anyone who celebrates. Um, But we are releasing a From the Vault episode, uh, which is our Murder on the Orient Express 2017 remake, uh, directed by Kenneth Branagh. Yeah,
1: I think since we covered this, there has been another of these Kenneth Branagh Adaptations of Agatha
0: Christie, Murder on the Nile. Yeah, I think so. Like Death that. on the Nile. Death on the Nile. Thank you. Something we could cover at some point. Um, right. We didn't love this movie, but it was interesting, and there was. A, I, I think we had a good discussion about it. Well,
1: we had a chance to cover the other adaptation of Murder on the Orient Express, right? You know, honestly, I don't
0: remember much about this. Maybe I like it more than I remember. I- I'll be curious to listen to this episode again.
1: <laughs> we were we were having to compare and contrast, obviously, with the, the older version, and I think there were things that we loved about the older version. Great
0: cast. I remember that.
1: Yeah. I mean, great cast in this one, too. Um,
0: I did just want to say uh, we have a poll up now on our Patreon that'll be determining our very next project. Um, and if you'd like to vote on it, you got to get on there before uh, the 26th, basically the end of the night on the 25th, it'll close. And the four titles that are up uh, on this poll are Fight Club, Casino Royale, The Devil All the Time, and Stardust. Those are the ones that ended up with the most votes on our uh, like ongoing yearly thread for suggestions. Um, So those will be the four. Pick which one of those four you want most, give it a vote on our Patreon, and that'll be the next thing we do. Um, And next year, we will start with a clean slate and have a whole new thread. So if uh, you you have another title that, that you really wanted to hear us cover... Uh, look for that at the start of next year as your your chance to get us to do it.
1: Really great lineup. Some some titles
0: in there that we've been waiting to cover for basically the lifetime of the podcast. So very cool. I'd be happy with any of those, honestly. You're right, I was yeah. looking at Devil all the time again and like looking at that cast and going, man, I. I Didn't watch that movie because I knew we might cover it, and I'm kind of bummed. Yeah, I think we bought the book a while ago, and it's
1: sitting on my bookshelf.
0: Fight Club's, like, one of my favorites. It's a classic. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I'm really curious to revisit Casino Royale, classic Bond. You know, we never covered Bond. Kind of of the gold
1: standard for Bond in my mind, at
0: least. And then Neil Gaiman, which is, like, always a favorite. Um, I'd be really interested to revisit him. So, great options. We'd love to hear from you, and enjoy this previously uh, Patreon-exclusive uh, and happy Thanksgiving. This month
1: we are covering the Kenneth Branagh murder on the Orient Express from 2017, um, and you know we covered the Agatha Christie novel, then we covered the uh, Lumet film, mm-hmm. and now we're here. Uh, you know, and we talked in our in our main feed episode about how we were wondering if people would think it was weird that we didn't do the newer adaptation.
0: Yeah. Well, we've done it now, <laughs> or we're yeah. doing it now, I guess. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I'm curious to know what you what you thought of this movie.
1: Yeah, I have tons of thoughts. I want to start with good things. I want to start yeah. with, um, I really like the, the, the look of this film. I thought it was beautiful. I thought that there was, like, great color. I thought there was, like, really interesting things to look at. But I also felt like that tended to be, like, the scale of the movie almost felt like it was sort of losing the intimate story that Agatha Christie was setting up. And some of that started to weigh on me a little bit. With but in terms of how it looked, I did some, I did a bunch of background uh, reading on on this stuff. So it was shot with a sixty five millimeter camera and some of the same ones that were used for Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. Um, okay. So it was shot on film itself, and that's a, You know, that's a, a notable thing because it's keeping film alive. Okay. In that way. The history of that, and uh, Christopher Nolan, of course, Kenneth Branagh was in Dunkirk, mm-hmm. uh, which Christopher Nolan directed, and then there's a cameo of Christopher Nolan in Murder on the really? early Express, which Kenneth Branagh directed. Yeah, he's he's one of the the like. Uh, waiters or something in the background of one of the scenes at one, oh, at one that's, point
0: that's too funny i didn't recognize him i mean i've seen christopher nolan but i i, yeah. I it's one of those things where you're not expecting and you know you that can't, sort of yeah, thing cameos so. are tough
1: sometimes so yeah. I,
0: I just think that that's
1: fun and um you know christopher nolan being sort of the one of the people that's like propping up film and keeping it alive in that form and specifically shooting in 65 millimeter to be projected in 70 millimeter is also very notable because it gives you different dimensions to the film that you're watching. And there were times that I could feel that even in our, you know streamed version that i was watching like some of the the way that that you're you're able to get so much more in the frame kind of and the colors like i said tended to be like there's the the shot of them all of the cast in the in the car and as much as the cars are cramped still there's some shots where these are like massive cars in comparison mm-hmm. to the the lumet film yeah but uh when they're all sitting around and it's so so glamorous and it's so uh I, I don't know. It, it kind of, of course, is like going to an extreme, but uh, those are those are some of the things that I liked. And then ultimately, a lot of this cast uh, mm. are some of my favorite people like uh, Olivia Coleman specifically might be my like top 10 favorite actors right now. Olivia Coleman's amazing. Um, I loved seeing Leslie Odom Jr., who who I knew from Hamilton um aaron burr and hamilton and so like that's uh, nerdy for me like i loved that he was like in this and playing a pretty prominent role as well i think this is his first uh theatrical feature film like large large uh role i was surprised to see will and defoe i didn't realize he was in this movie at all (laughs) yeah there was a few people that were that were surprising as they popped up along the way i didn't know michelle pfeiffer was going to play uh uh, miss hubbard and she was incredible i I'm going to eventually get to some things that I didn't think that I liked very much about this film, but I'm going to just say here, performances weren't weren't the thing that bothered me with this film. Um, it
0: was a very different take on Mrs. Hubbard. Um, it was, yeah. Yeah. She, she was, she, from the beginning, she was a lot more fishy. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Like, I, we didn't trust her. We saw her sort of, I saw her sort of code switch at one point and mm-hmm. um, all of a sudden start behaving differently. So I was suspicious of her immediately um in a way that i wasn't of the other mrs hubbard the other mrs hubbard seems like a complete goofball
1: right um, similar to the novel
0: yeah so it, it's it's a different portrayal of that character um yeah i mean so yeah i'll talk let's start with positives um you know familiar with the phrase uh, damning with faint praise um yeah. <laughs> i think i'm gonna give some of that um yeah. you know it it was funny i think there was a a closer attention to comedy and um, in a sort of a modern way. That, that That's one of the main things is it
1: felt very like a modernized like blockbuster, large budget film in a way that the kind
0: of the 70s version didn't feel quite yeah, not, that way. No, definitely not. Um, which I mean it's made in the seventies, it's not gonna feel like a modern blockbuster. <laughs> um but yeah, I know it, it didn't. And then um, you know, I think Branagh as uh, as as Poirot was quirky. He was playing up this like perfectionism thing, he had these eggs. Um he had he like explained his worldviews and why he is really good at being a detective it's like detecting imperfections in people and in situations and how it stands out to him and he's really good at like identifying things that are out of place um he took that to an extreme i think um to to sort of uh underline underscore the character and uh in that sense like i felt like it, it simplified poirot in a way that made it accessible and made me feel like okay i get who this guy is and why he's a detective i want to follow um but it did like remove a little bit of the mystery of the character
1: too yeah i was gonna say with with like bringing in some of his backstory there's the moment where he's like looking at the photo it makes him less mysterious and also um they're kind of making him similar to other like eccentric detectives that we've seen before whereas i felt like The Finney version was not anything like a detective I'd really seen before. No. You think of like the Pink Panther, I guess. There's some stuff kind of like that. that, But it's um, his portrayal is is, uh, they like kind of grounded him a little more. And they were showing when he was struggling with the mystery, which was something that we didn't get in either of the other versions of the story. And him struggling with the mystery is interesting because I felt like he was so confident and so... Able to process things so quickly that he knew what it was right away, but was just like sort of going through the motions of figuring everything out in the mm. in the Agatha Christie story and then the the
0: Lumet film. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll give him uh, credit for withholding some of the Armstrong details um, in a mm-hmm. way that is at least similar to the book. It felt a lot more like the book where like the Armstrong stuff only became. Uh, important when it was important to the plot we didn't get it at the beginning I still don't know right. what the better way to do it was because well I
1: would say that the Lumet version with it at the beginning kind of does give you the biggest red flag at the beginning of the movie To kind of know that, like this is ultimately what the murder is about yeah. Like something going on with this whereas like going in without it I like You don't going... know
0: how it's going to be about that and right. you're, so you're you kind of know something And you're trying to connect the dots in a way where this you don't know anything and you're just thinking it's a pure who done it with no motive, um, you know. So it's just a different approach. I, I it's hard to say which one is better. One thing I wanted to say that um, before I get into more of my criticisms about the movie, um, I I don't know. I, I'm curious if we were to try a different way of covering this kind of stuff in the future. If we were to do another Agatha Christie, for example, um, if we were to read like. 75 80% of the book basically up to like some of the big reveals and stop record an episode on that and then go watch the movie and then come back and talk about it because I do think my appreciation for some of these for these movies is lessened a little bit by already knowing the reveal and it, so I was really struggling cuz this is now my third time through the story fairly recently like I know So I think I was set up to be more hypercritical, which in a movie like this is honestly not going to do any favors. I would have been better off just going for the ride and trying to figure out what's going on, but I already knew what was going on. So instead I was just being hypercritical.
1: Right. And so for people who come to just this newer version of this movie, having not read the book or seen any of the other movies, this is going to probably hit you pretty, pretty squarely. And you're going to be like, wow, that's a fun, really good mystery because you're not going to have the premise of... Or at least the context of
0: everything else that's gone on before yeah. this. There was some homages to the '74 film. I thought um, I don't know if you caught them. Like I, I thought there was a couple of shots that were like set up to be very similar. In particular, we talked about them on the river. Um, there was one moment on the river that looked almost identical to the other movie. Um, there, there were moments, you know, on the train on occasion where it felt like okay, this is a reference to that other that other version. Um, it seemed, it seemed like, you know, like little nods ahead to it at most, I guess. Yeah, I, I definitely felt that
1: that was going on. I think that Kenneth Branagh wanted to approach this as like a really glamorous, um, like nod to that sort of time period of like Hollywood actors and, and them being on this like really lavish trip and this journey. And the, the, he wanted the cinematography to match that in ways. Um, but there's, so one thing I wanted to say with like I was talking about how much I love like Olivia Coleman and a lot of these actors. Um, one thing is that I felt like with this cast and with the cast of even the other the other 74 uh, version, I felt like, you know, some people don't have a ton of time to shine, but it's but it's very cool to see them in the roles. Mm. So that's part of the novelty of this story is like getting to see Willem Dafoe in a small role as like a character actor. Yeah. Or, you know, a lot of these people who are were, who were in this story tend to be that kind of. You know, I, I let's I think we should jump into some of the things
0: that I didn't necessarily like about this yeah. movie. Real quick, I I, I do want to say I like seeing Daisy Ridley uh, and stuff. Yeah. I like seeing her outside of Star Wars, um, yeah, doing great. something different yeah. here, and I thought she was cool. Um, I, yeah, I think she's great. I,
1: I I'm yeah. excited to see her career for the next you know yeah however long she wants to work because I think she's
0: she's definitely got a great uh
1: she has like a presence on film. I think mm-hmm. so.
0: I agree. Uh, Johnny Depp. I still don't know how to feel about Johnny Depp these days, but I thought he was pretty good here. You know, he was.
1: I read a I read a story that he like got in. He like showed up to set like late and like hung over or something. And <laughs> Kenneth Branagh, Kenneth Branagh like like whipped him into shape and like like chewed him out in front of everybody. And then he was early every day for the rest of the shoot. And so he kind of uh,
0: needed that sort of firm hand, I okay. guess. I mean, he does seem like a guy whose life is in a lot of disorder. Um, yeah. and I don't know where this, I mean, this was back in 2017. So I think clearly at the time from stuff we've heard, he was in the middle of it, I think. Right. So, um, you know, I, I, I wish him well. I hope that it's not, I hope that he's not someone I shouldn't wish well. <laughs> I, I don't know the details. Right. <laughs> we, yeah. we talked about a little bit in the stand coverage that his, uh, he's had some, you know, his relationship. connection to Amber Heard. Amber yeah. Heard stuff is like a, just yeah. a huge mess. And like, honestly, if you want to read more about it, go look it up because, um, I don't. I don't get into that tabloid-y stuff, and I don't read a ton about it. I just know a little bit. So yeah,
1: yeah uh, I want to. I want to sort of frame a lot of these things that I'm going to start to say because it's not that I was like actively like hating this film. It was just things that I was feeling like. Um, for one, I felt like there was kind of it kind of overstated its welcome in a way that the other yeah, film did. It, it kind it, of it really was, dragged. It was out. long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and it was because of um, t- like multiple added twists that mm-hmm. they were trying to sell us on. So I get if it's your first time seeing it, why you might appreciate those. But for us, I was like, "Oh man, this is really like kind of wasting time, right?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then, but another thing that I wanted to frame this story with is a quote that I read from Kenneth Branagh. He described the first scene between Johnny Depp and Michelle Pfeiffer that weird, like rapey, like whatever Johnny Depp's character was doing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. all that stuff was gross. But um, Kenneth Branagh described that as being from the kind of movie that would be playing within a movie. And him saying that in that quote, like rang true for how I feel about almost this entire movie. It feels like it feels like the movie that you see inside playing that a character's watching inside of a movie. Yeah. Very over the top, very big performances. And also like, uh, I don't know that I I don't want to say that there's not a ton of substance to it, but it doesn't feel like it's uh, like it feels like a Hollywood giving a ton of money to a story that has like a lot of history and name recognition and then saying like make this and then they added scene in the beginning with the imam the priest and the and the rabbi and just like they felt like they just had so much money that they could add in whatever they wanted to Mm -hmm. and part of me appreciates that because it's like i get that they're setting up this universe with poirot and they're gonna do they did the death on the nile um like shout out near the end they had this story that was set up in in kind of, well actually this is kind of a different thing right it was like a French soldier thing that Agatha Christie set up it was like his former journey right before coming into the Orient mystery I don't he had, remember. like he had like did some done something with
0: like a friend the French army and like yeah. sh- help them like they're setting up the death on the Nile which is the next movie though that at the end and yeah they definitely it seems like they're setting up an extended you know universe of movies here they're, they're trying to set up a franchise Right, but, and I part of me appreciates
1: that because they're bringing in things from other Agatha Christie stories, like you mm-hmm. clearly I was like, "Oh, this wasn't in the original story or in the seventy four film so this stuff like anytime that happened, I was like, this must be from another Poirot story that they're pulling in so and in that way, it's kind of fun, but it also feels like it's padding it and adding mm-hmm. more to it in so, ways
0: that it doesn't necessarily need to so um taste is subjective, I understand that um but i'm going to con- contradict something you said earlier i What's didn't that? think this movie looked very good um, Really? i yeah i i mean the, i mean what
1: what parts like the the sprawling like cg train sequences the establishing stuff those were bad those were real bad yeah. um cuz that's not what i'm talking about necessarily i understand
0: um yeah. i thought that to me the colors were drab in a way that the other movie by comparison seems very colorful um i think there was a certain inauthenticity about everything i was seeing it it very rarely felt like i was actually on a train if ever i i kept wondering like how many of these scenes were actually shot on a train or not many at all they felt like sets and i'm not saying that like every scene in that other movie was shot on a train it just felt that way you know what i mean um it it seemed to me like I guess Kenneth Branagh. He's he's he wrote and 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 directed this. It felt like he desperately didn't want this movie to be on a train. It it, it felt like every opportunity he was he could get, he took them outside of the train. He he has he has them walking on the roof of the train. He has him going out and having tea parties in the snow. He has the final reveal in a tunnel instead of in the train itself. It felt like everything he could do, he wanted outside of the train. He wanted a big action sequence in the scaffolding. And I was so frustrated because I'm like, if you're going to make Murder on the Orient Express, you make the Orient Express a character, like we kind of talked about. Like, you make it an essential part of the movie and you lean into it. And you make it about how trains are magical. Like, they're really cool things that we've invented as humans. And you lean into that. And to me, this was the complete opposite. It was doing everything it could to get away from it. Um, I thought the movie was excessively blue and white. Um, there was very little other colors going on. And then when you got opportunities to have like flashbacks, you would go black and white. There was the scene in in, in uh, the Lumet film that was that really sort of almost creepy blue, the stabbing sequence. And instead this was black and white. And I, I just found so many moments where it, they could have done something interesting. And instead it felt like, I don't know, just kind of bland um, and safe And uh, it did feel very much like a, you know, like you said, just kind of a a modern movie, modern uh, blockbuster attempt um, that's not going to take too many risks, hopefully going to, you know, be fine. It's like, I feel like this movie was made to be fine. No one was trying to make an iconic movie. No one was trying to make an iconic adaptation that's going to go down in history as like, oh yeah, that's going ri- to rival the Lumet film. I don't think anybody thought this was going to rival the R- Lumet film, or if they did, they were deluding themselves because they they didn't set out to make a movie like that. I don't, I don't think. And, and, and it, that was frustrating to me in a way that I bet it's not for a lot of people. But for me, it was like, I don't know. This is the kind of stuff I really don't like. You're
1: picking up on something that's definitely there. So um, let me start out by by talking about why the movie felt the way that it did in terms of sets and things like that. So uh, Kenneth Branagh is a like stage actor. He's a um, obviously a director. He's an actor first and um, he is he in in so in being an actor he also cares about actors more than I would say he cares about directing if that makes sense but a director is usually very connected to actors but um basically from what I can gather about this movie is that it's kind of a vehicle to have a bunch of like great actors in a film like this was was how Kenneth Branagh was treating it and um I read this this other um interesting piece of backstory about this movie uh, veteran actress Jacqueline Bissett, who starred in Murder on the Orient Express in 1974, told director Kenneth Branagh how excruciating it was to shoot the extended scene in which the murder was revealed. To avoid this feeling among the actors and actresses in his version, Branagh shot his side as Poirot first and cut whenever he could when shooting the actors and actresses up close. And he did everything to make sure the whole cast spent as little time as possible on set during the lengthy scene. And I think that kind of like goes to show how he feels about the entire movie because he's like, I want my actors to be comfortable. I want to get good performances from them. But ultimately, this whole story is kind of a vehicle for having all of these stars uh, in this and and. There's, you know, it's like you said, it's not going to go down, and I agree with you. It's not going to go down as a great adaptation because it wasn't really the intention. Like he, he wasn't inventing, reinventing the wheel here. He was sort of just like pulling together a great cast to make something that has the name recognition and really make something that would be fun with other actors that he loves and appreciates because they are all basically his friends, acquaintances, other actors that he's worked with before, whether directed with them or acted with them. So, you're the fact that you're picking up on that. I think that rings true completely. Um. I will I will disagree with you. Um, maybe maybe some of the movie didn't look great, but I do still stand by my my fact that like the movie in terms of looking. Um looking incredible like through the lens there are some amazing shots in this movie there's some amazing like tracking extended sequences with like really cool um like cinematic design like shooting through glass and doing some some things to like make make actors and the reflections look interesting i think that it's a well shot movie and i'll stand by that but like you said some of the like when I started to feel like the scale of the movie was sort of bigger than its britches, I guess, it was when we were getting these, like, massive, sweeping Hollywood shots of the train and the snow and the, you, it's coming, yeah. the avalanche is you coming down. You mean when a lightning the...
0: bolt strikes a mountain and causes an avalanche that almost d- derails the train? Yeah, it was a little bit over the top. <laughs> it's definitely over the top. So I, I agree with you on that as well. So, yeah, um, I mean, I, I can see what you're saying. And, like there, was, like, there was some interesting moments where they were filming from above – to try mm-hmm. like the, the the camera kind of becomes magic in a sense it's like it's it's viewing from an angle that you couldn't physically be in when you're on a train right um but it which is I, very I, opposite
1: I, of lumet's v- the opposite like of lumet's about. thing and like i'm like yeah. okay
0: so i guess you're just like leaning into like let's make this feel as big as possible while being on a train but i just like i just I, dis- I disagree with like that St- like that approach to this subject matter i i think you have to lean into the claustrophobia of being on a train right
1: like i said I-, I think it loses that intimacy of the story like mm-hmm. you like you're you're also getting at and like i, I read something about brandon talking about the over the head shot I- during the murder and not shooting coverage to show the murder and all this other stuff he just wanted that top-down view because it's so like odd and off-putting and then ultimately like leaves you wondering and and it kind of gives you like um you know how Wes Anderson has his sort of like dollhouse thing that he does sometimes in his movies? Yeah. This sort of had like that top
0: down clue, like looking at a board mm. game almost sort of feel to yeah. it in that scene. I think that's what he was going for. You know, I, and I've seen other directors do it well. I can think of like Vince Gilligan and Breaking Bad at times mm-hmm. that's done this. For, and it's like always a surprising, cool effect when, when it awesome. does that. And Well, the scene of like Jesse like floating when he takes yeah. like heroin or whatever that
1: that's then like floating up towards the ceiling camera. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah.
0: And, and that's my thing too. Is like just because you have a tool in your toolbox, I don't know. Like, I, and I guess the clue thing is probably what he was going for. Um, it just felt like a weird decision for me in this moment. I don't know. Yeah. Um, no,
1: and, and I get that. Yeah,
0: especially because like I prefer Lumet's like intimate. Yeah. Like, uh look at the at the film. But the the decisions to have so many actiony sequences and yeah, big moments and like big sets and. I don't know, man. It just it, it felt a little bit frustrating to me. It again felt like that's yeah. that's not the point of this story. Like it's Agreed, it's very yeah. similar to like just the moment of having all of a sudden we flash to Poirot is like pacing along on top of the train in the through the snow and then he's back inside like a minute later. And there was no real reason for him to have been out there. That was how I felt about basically every scene like that. Like just un, uh, unnecessary We just wanted to show that and, you know, give you a break from the train for a minute because we really don't want you to feel like you're on a train for this movie for some reason.
1: Yeah. So it reminds me of like, um, so for example, he like he has that fight scene where he's like, look with uh, the gun shoots him and then he like looks at the powder pouring out and then he knows to flick it and use his cane and all this stuff. Oh, yeah. It reminds me. It reminds me of how I felt when uh, Guy Ritchie's like Sherlock Holmes films came out as much as like I thought that it was fun, especially when it came out it's like that's not the point of Sherlock Holmes to be like analyzing somebody during a fight and then like be break them down because, star, yeah right so like and it feels it feels unnecessary like you say but that kind of stuff it like stimulates general audiences today so like he and of course he was trying to make a broader film he's in he's a theatrical I, I think he literally acts at like the Shakespeare um, royal opera or something mm-hmm. so it's like he's he knows what he's doing he knew he was making a broad movie
0: yeah I guess so and 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 I should have expected this for this movie, but I didn't. I did not expect to see Poirot getting in fist fights with people and, like, using his cane to trip people and and just, like, be kind of action-y. And, and I, maybe I should have just because it's, like, it's modern day. Um, I, I mean, it wasn't – I mean, he wasn't like Sherlock in those movies. He wasn't actually a brawler or anything. You know, he wasn't getting in tons of fights. But there was enough action. He was chasing Josh Gad that one time, you know, in, in a in – a, a, I don't know a moment that I found incredibly dull um even though it was supposed to be exciting because I'm like what is the point of this um and again I, I do think we set ourselves up a little bit to be hypercritical because we we know what is important and what isn't in this story <laughs> yeah
1: I can see somebody going in and seeing this movie and having this be their first experience with the material and really
0: enjoying it mm. so oh and you know. I want I want to just like a pet, it's a pet peeve I, I guess of mine and something that um if you ever make a movie that uh I get any sort of uh point where i can give you some give you some criticism yeah um if you ever have a sequence where people are standing around in the snow talking i need to see that fucking breath i i soon i immediately noticed there was no breath and i was like what is happening and like the rest of the movie i couldn't (laughs) every every scene that takes place outside you can't see their breath at all which just completely breaks my immersion. Tells me they're on a set. They're not actually cold. Well, there was the and scene when he they were drinking tea or whatever, and they
1: get up from the tea table and they walk towards a mountain, and it was so clear that it was green screen. Oh man, it, like yeah. I was like, oh boy,
0: it looks so it's bad. Kind of a lot, and, and like, but again,
1: and and for for the comfort of the actors, that's yeah. why he did it. You, you can add I mean? it. Like, you
0: can do it with CGI. It might not look great, but right. like I've
1: seen it done pretty convincingly. Well, I just mean like not being on location, not being on location. Um,
0: yeah. and like being on a green how, screen you know, makes it sense because it was because crazy how much money they spent on on that CGI and stuff to make it look like that like they probably yeah. could have afforded to like build a freaking train car and and go somewhere on set and actually film it it just would have yeah it would have been like tr- people would have had to travel it would have been annoying you can't shoot it you can't shoot it in LA on a on a sound stage or whatever Yeah. Know?
1: i think this was mostly shot in Europe in like London or something like oh, okay. that but, yeah
0: <laughs> Well, regardless, I'm sure it, w- it was on sets, you know, in a comfortable studio. It seems like for yeah. the vast majority of it.
1: Yeah, and ultimately, that's it, that's what it is, kind of right. It's supposed to be this comfort vessel for these actors all to come together and sort of get to embody these these actors that they love from the from the '74 version. So, um, oh, this is my question while we while we wrap up here. Um, Death of the Nile is coming out. Are you excited for it or not? Like with with this portrayal of Poirot, like are you gonna watch it? Yeah. Is it something that you're interested in checking out in the future? I
0: mean, I'll tell you, ultimately, I, I I, know I'm kind of like I'm being pretty critical here and I did have a lot of criticism, but like it was fine. I had, a, yeah. you know what I mean? It's hard to dislike, to actively dislike this movie. I just didn't, there wasn't a lot for me to like about it either. Um, one thing I'll tell you is that my wife had a pretty good time with it. Um, she had seen this version first, uh, before she, you know, before the, the Lumet version, she watched the Lumet version with me, liked that one, but she just, she likes this one. And I'm like, I, you know, I, and she was talking about how she kind of wants to see that, de- you know, death on the Nile. I'd be down to watch it, you know? And, and that's, that's why I was saying like, if we're going to cover another Agatha Christie mystery, I wonder if the way to do it is to preserve that because I do think a little bit of the joy of watching these movies is taken away once you know the reveal. Um, and yeah. I might have a better time with it if I didn't know. Yeah, we talked about the other story that I would like to cover in the
1: future as well, the the one on the island.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh it's uh and then there were none. Yeah, I'd yeah. like to cover that. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, uh Death on the Nile I'd
1: be interested in seeing as well. And ultimately that's kind of where I land on it. I like this is the kind of movie that like I'm it's it's I enjoy watching it to a certain extent. You know, like I I like watching it because it's not challenging and i know that some people will do that feel that same way like it's not this is like the it's it's fun because we get to see all of these massive actors come together in this in this big movie and see how broad it's going to be and like ultimately like i can have a couple drinks and just like sit down and enjoy myself through something like this and realize that it's not going to be maybe something directed by sydney lumet um and you know, we, it wasn't like the Lumet version was perfect yeah. either.
0: I mean, like, I, I agree. Like, I can do that, but th- that's not my preference. <laughs> like, I'd rather right. enjoy a movie that's really absolutely, good. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But I think
1: going in, like you said, I knew going in what we were getting with this, I think. Yeah. And that p- kind of shaped where I was at with it. Yeah. Um, ultimately, I enjoyed it because it is something that was... It's an Agatha Christie
0: story. It's fun to see all of these actors in these roles.
1: So yeah. it, it, um,
0: I would be curious to see, like... It, to me, this doesn't feel like Kenneth Branagh was trying to make something iconic that was going to, like, go down in history as a great adaptation or go down as a great film. And I would like to see him try that. You know what I mean? And, like, and like feel like he's really going for it. Um, because I, I could feel a certain lack of care in the movie where it was just – it felt like things were, things were good enough and that was right. fine. Let's go on. I
1: like to see, I like to see actors become directors. But it's really interesting to think about, like how close he is with Christopher Nolan, clearly, and to see a movie that like Christopher Nolan's going go to go into make that's like going to be different than anything you've probably seen, yeah. and like the care that goes into it, and then C- Kenneth Branagh getting the opportunity. Yeah. It's the
0: complete opposite of Nolan. It, he lives and dies by that. Like whether or not it right. works, he's trying to make something that's going to be, you know, a part of his oeuvre that he is going to f- feel confident and and good about. Right. Where like Kenneth Branagh wants to go
1: hang out, hang out with people that he loves, and like yeah. get to make a fun movie. It's like yeah, he's, yeah. So let's just make a thing, make some money, and and this, that, I'm just talking about this movie too. We're not talking about Kenneth Branagh like overall. Yeah, it's just this movie. Well,
0: you know that so he he directed Thor, which is like right. Thor and Thor two Thor two. It's like probably my least favorite. He didn't he didn't direct Thor two. Oh, he didn't do well. He just did no. Thor one. Okay, so Thor one was better than Thor two. I'll give it that. So it's not my least favorite Marvel movie, but like. The kind of stuff that I start to get bored in, in Marvel is when I feel like they're just kind of phoning in the blockbuster, and and that's how this movie feels. Yeah,
1: agreed. Well, I think that this is a good
0: place to stop. Yeah. Sorry if you if you love this movie and I just yeah kind of blasted it, but I mean, hey, I got to be honest. That's like that's yeah. what we're doing here. And again, it's not that we hated it. No, I, I it enjoyed fine. parts of it and I had, a, I had a fun time. Damning with faint praise, I, I feel like was going to be my theme exactly. for this one. Like, it was okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. So ultimately, that's where we land on it. And until next time. Thanks for listening.